Um, thank you for that. Uh, our next guest, actually, um, as Joe was alluding to, we interviewed the master distiller from Old Elk last two, I don't know when it was, two weeks ago. All right, thank you. Uh, thank you, Nick, Brady Moss, um, for that assist. But we had the privilege of honor of talking with Greg down in Franklin Room, which was one of the best whiskey bars here in Chicago. Big fan of Nick, uh, Nick Moss as well. And we got to just talk about Greg's 40-year experience of making whiskey in this entire world, which kind of puts, uh, puts you in check as someone who works in the whiskey world, someone who sells whiskey, someone who think, you think you know a lot about it. When you talk to a man, like I talked to this in our, in our uh, in the podcast and in a post about how his hands were just just calloused and worn and weathered from all the years of slinging barrels, fermenting grains, doing everything it encompasses to build a whiskey brand for four decades. It's just living inside of those, like all the creases of his hands. And it's something you aspire to as someone who's been Stretch, working. Keep going. Talk more about I'm not hands. stretching at all. I'm really trying to tell a genuine conversation. So thank you for interrupting. Um, oh, God. Well, anyway, uh, well, thanks for that. Uh, their market manager of Illinois, Old Elk, Eric Rosentreter. Thank you for joining the podcast. Yeah, because Matt, interrup Matt interrupted at a nice little heart-touching intro I was trying to do for you. But you uh, have, like, yeah. thick wrists. What? Thick wrists. Supple. I know something thick about you is, uh, is not thick. You made a small penis joke. Or, well, okay, that was a small penis joke. Yeah, yeah. It's ugly, not small. We've talked about this before. All right, let's let's keep the uh, the jokes at bay, I guess. Okay, so how do you follow that introduction? Um, uh, great Hi, uh, hey, Eric. How are you? So we're gonna we're gonna involve the crowd a little bit right now. Oh, um, how are I've you gonna got, do that? Uh, Mike Miller, uh, my former boss of almost 13 years. Uh, was kind enough to bring in our rum finished dry. Some of you may have had it already. Ooh. I do have something that isn't available yet, so oh. not to bang that FOMO drum. Uh, we have a 10-year wheat whiskey that is coming to market soon. So let's take a vote, I guess, because voting matters. Don't forget that, especially here in Chicago. Vote <laughs> twice if you can. So throw both arms up. Yeah. Um, do you want the rum finished dry? Hands in the air. Oh, I do. Oh, rum finish rye. Two, we had two for that one. Or would you like the ten-year wheat whiskey? Oh, two hands for the Nick Bross on that one. All right, Nick voted twice or three okay. times actually. So we're gonna pass this bottle around. It is not available yet, but it's coming to market it? shortly. Yes, of course. All right. Well, Eric. No, uh, Jake, don't open it. Yeah, I was also gonna introduce you as somebody who uh, kind of has the prodigal son returning home right now to <laughs> Delilah's, but yes. once again, Matt Brown interrupted that opportunity. Um, yeah, so anybody, let's come up and uh, we have some cups right here, and we'll pour them for you up here at the table. Actually, no, Chris is going to do it, because um, Chris is a gem, unlike Matt Brown. Thank you, Chris. Uh, <sighs> so, it was an absolute pleasure having Greg on the podcast um, two weeks ago. I, I, I think I would be a little intimidated working for that man with all of his knowledge, even though he is super sweet, super kind, um, seems like a gem to work for. Um, getting... Uh, starting to work with Old Elk, uh, especially kind of getting into post-pandemic era, um, my, my direct report is Ross Graham, who's former Pernod Ricard, Master Whiskey. Um, started working with them, and a Cincinnati phone number popped up on my phone, and I figured it might have been somebody trying to sell me something about the student loans I don't have. Uh, but I answered it anyway against my better judgment, and it was Greg Metz, and he welcomed me to the team. Um, to me, that moment really brought me back to center. Um, I know the pandemic was rough on some people, but uh, I was almost done. Yeah. I, I almost left the industry completely. 
uh, because it was so challenging and and if I never hear the word pivot again, other than me just saying it. <laughs> or a uh, Zoom call. Yeah, that's such a pain in the ass. Like, we, like, like our industry is still recovering from it. So support your bartenders. Uh, go out, drink local, buy local, do all that thing. Uh, over tip. Please over tip. Um, be generous because we will be generous just as much back to you. You will. Um, how does it, I assume you got your education of whiskey here at Delilah's? Yeah, I, I went to college for two years. Uh, I hated it. Um, I didn't want to spend $16,000 to learn something I already knew. So uh, I became an electrician. I uh, believe it or not, back uh, about 20 years ago now, uh, Delilah's used to be kind of a punk rock skinhead haven. Uh, not the bad, not the bad skinhead, but more like the rude boy skinhead, like stuff like that, like ska reggae, stuff like that. But there would be some of the bad skinheads that would come in and i broke up a fight up here on a punk rock monday asked for a job uh started working that saturday part-time as a door guy and almost 13 years later uh, i ended up leaving and of course i always come back because this is i this place is an institution there are a lot of institutions in, uh, throughout our city but delilah's was I, I was behind the bar when we became the whiskey bar that played punk rock sometimes mm. coming from the punk rock bar that just had a shitload of whiskey. Mm. So it was it, it was a journey for sure. I was right, right place, right time. Completely right place, right time. What did the shelves look like 13 years ago compared to now? They were less sturdy. Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> uh, so shout out to Alan Card, a uh, very, very big friend of the bar who... You know, does some independent contract. He works with like the publican group and stuff like that. He's pretty much a lot of people's resident handyman that comes in and rebuilds bars, keep things structurally sound. This building has been here since the late 1800s, right. so it's very, very old. It takes a lot of maintenance. Yeah, they expanded the uh, the bar downstairs by one foot over COVID because they yes. found found the windows behind there. Yeah. Yes, and uh, the best part is, is that Alan is so good at his job that you wouldn't even notice by. I know my first time walking back in just from being here for so long. Mm -hmm. I, I noticed it, but it was it was very good. Well done. What's it like? What's the difference between being behind the bar at Delilah's to selling in Delilah's and hanging out here at Delilah's? <laughs> um, Mike, uh, dealing with Mike, uh, he deals with me just like he deals with everybody else. Uh, coming from like a sales perspective and a whiskey nerd perspective. Um, I, I, I love that, that he challenges me to even not being here. He challenges me and continues to encourage me to develop in my role yeah. within our industry. And that is, I mean, it, it's rare. Mm. Uh, if you've met Mike, you know that he's a rare person anyway, but when, <laughs> um, when you meet him in a business point of view too, if you're sitting around like a Tuesday afternoon doing the cattle call, like we all have to do as salespeople, whether it's here or anywhere else. Um, no, the consumers know now. Yes. Uh, m one of Mike's biggest compliments, uh, the first brand gig I had, uh, I ended up leaving, um, for, I basically just didn't like the corporate culture. Yeah. Um, I, I came in and I told Mike the day I gave my notice and Mike gave me the biggest compliment I've ever had. He's like, that brand will suffer because you're not there anymore. Mm. And I was just like, holy shit. Like it was humbling. Right. Uh, and Mike will, he'll humble you really quick. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Oh, hi Matt Brown. You're back. 
Hi. Oh, thanks, Matt. <laughs> thanks, Matt, for that. You um, my... I was gone no, temporally. No, no you are my I Bill Murray. No, no, don't give him that compliment. Don't. Okay, so do we all have a whiskey? Yeah, yeah. Um, I again, I came up under Mike. Uh, he is Barnum and Bailey. He is whiskey <laughs> nerd extraordinaire. Um, do we all have a whiskey? Because we haven't actually done a whiskey cheers yet for whiskey mm. World oh, Whiskey Day. We tried so, to. Need, I don't today. have one of mine yet. Yeah. So. Chris Plantner, the consummate gentleman. Yeah, Thank so you, sir. This is a 10-year-old 100% wheat, correct? This is a 10-year-old 95% wheat, 5% malted barley mash oh, yeah. bill. I should know that. Um, I did a podcast with the maker. Right? <laughs> so let's all let's yeah. all raise our glass to World Whiskey Day. Cheers, Cheers guys. Because every day is a hashtag. Cheers. 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 Uh, Cheers. Um, mm. So the 95-5% uh, is five cents rye, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is the, just flipping uh, Greg's historic build of rye. It, yeah, that was um, one of the things that I really got to pick his brain about. Um, it was after an event last week, and I was driving Greg back to his hotel. At one point, I was like, holy fuck, I have Greg Metz in my car, which <laughs> was really cool. Um, but I started asking him about our wheat, our, our wheat whiskey mash bill. And the way I see it, and I mean, whiskey is so just like two weeks, two weeks, like you have two weeks to make an impression and then it's on to the next, you know, thumbs up on Facebook. (laughs) Um, Talking with Greg kind of reset my thermostat a little bit back to 72 degrees and getting the bigger picture. And when when you look at his famous 95.5 mash uh, with his rye, rye was almost dead um, when he started that, almost dead. Uh, and the rye that was out was barely rye whiskey. And the, one of the more interesting things that I kind of juxtaposed onto itself um, was wheat whiskey is almost dead. Uh, it's not a big category. Uh, Burnham uh, is releasing a barrel proof out of Heaven Hill. It's generating some noise because that's what whiskey needs is more noise. Um, fight the good fight. Yeah, well, you know, people might get some, they might not. They'll show an unopened bottle against their BMW steering wheel and ask <laughs> thoughts. Um, I, want to, I want it to be an unending din, like the uh, like the tuning of an orchestra, just going out in my ears all the time. Except it's other many people talking about where to find Eagle Rare for ninety dollars. But you know, we say that, and but I want to look at it and be like, it's your fault. It's so right, expensive. Yeah. But, but we can't all, say that. It's all our ambition to be there too, which is the funny side of it all. Um, it's, it is my hope with our 95.5 wheat mash bill that wheat will continue to enter the conversation into into the overall whiskey um, arena. I know people see bourbon, they're comfortable with bourbon. Um, they like that term because they're, they're, they feel safe in identifying it. Right. Um, by the way, uh, Judson & Moore rye whiskey, you should absolutely go out and buy a bottle Ooh, of this right now. So it good. is absolutely really fantastic. Uh, well good callback, good callback. Um, and it, it'll be interesting to see that from a microscopic level, which is my job. I'm one of 40, under 40 people that work for the brand in all 50 states. Uh, calling back to Matt's uh, observation earlier, if you're looking to fill the pipeline in all 50 states right now, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, own the yard before you buy the block if you, uh, from a marketing perspective and from just a logistics perspective. Um, see, hi. hi. Third wall. Hey, fourth no, wall. Sorry, someone's got to be the photographer of this podcast. <laughs> <sighs> Wilson's um, not here to do that, so you know. Who? Wilson. 
Oh, I've heard of him. Yes, we all have. I've heard of him. He's a lost person out there in the world. Um, I, I really enjoy wheat whiskey. I always have. Uh, for me, it's a gateway whiskey. Uh, if you're looking for something that's softer, uh, a gateway away from maybe Irish whiskey or sing- some non-peated single malt scotches, things like that. Does the whole company envision wheat as being the next big thing with Old Elk? I know Greg really does. His belief is that... Oh, uh, yeah, because we have a shitload of it. <laughs> <laughs> that- um, it we're... It, it, being in whiskey, what a lot of people don't think about, especially hyperbolically coming from the social media knee-jerk reaction that we have towards everything right now, is we thinking years. It's extremely challenging to... Uh, I, uh, my former boss, Gerald O'Kennard of the Beverage Testing Institute, mm-hmm. introduced me to a term called mental yoga. And for me, like while we're all on the streets every day, we're trying to do our job as best we can, we're still thinking in years. We're still thinking in three, five, ten year. And I know that sounds like a corporate term, but it's not. It's That's how whiskey works. Right. Um, you can make it today and sell it tomorrow, but you probably shouldn't. Um, yeah. But- but yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, well, how, <laughs> how how has it been working for Old Elk versus other brands out there? Hey, uh, Lucas was on earlier with um, Woody Creek, and we're talking about how much is coming out of Colorado. All these great brands coming out of Colorado and are now starting to expand into various states. Old Elk has definitely become over the last two years, which you guys give COVID a lot of credit to. Yeah. Not, not the actual disease, but the uh, time period of you being able to sell your single barrel program all the way across the country. How do you guys separate it all you know, from everybody else out there in the market? The advantage of being in a small company and being part of a smaller brand is when we started our single barrel program in 2019, I want to say we did like 50 or so single barrels. He's going to tell you some numbers, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, and I'm not um, going to believe him. I've heard this now five times, but these are absurd. Um, we kind of flipped it on its head that uh, last year we did 900 single barrels. Uh, this year we're hoping to do about 1,200 single barrels. Um, a Man, lot, of that, a lot of that comes through uh, what was mentioned earlier about people getting tired about allocated single barrels, um, trying to fight over the new toy. It's We're, we're all about being very good relationship builders and things like that. Uh, it, it, and I definitely directly transpose that from my experience here is we're not trying to be, we're not trying to be every, you know, something for everybody. We're right. trying to be everything for somebody and just kind of dialing in on that. It takes a lot more work. Uh, it really does chasing emails, uh, <laughs> driving to fucking Collinsville, Illinois, to Ooh, maybe my sell. Place of Illinois. It's a long drive, um, but getting down there and and giving people that are trying to interact with you in a holistic way the time that they deserve, um, making the world smaller uh, is something that we all have been res- responding to over the last couple of years, but spending a lot of windshield time like as smaller brands do and actually pumping it out and listening and not not creating more noise but contributing to the conversation is is in my opinion what smaller bands try to do uh, educate people yeah. uh, liquid to lips I know that's a horrible horrible thing to say <laughs> but getting out there boots mm. on the street whatever but the point you're making is extremely salient and uh, with the single barrels that's what we can offer uh, consumers to build like a conversation with between them the stores they buy from and us yeah now it's a three-person conversation there's a special thing it's just for us three to share 
and guess what? Now our little our, our little brand is in your fucking brain like a worm in <laughs> an apple. I didn't know where you're going with that, but our little um, brand it, is well, somewhere. It was, the ap- it was an okay. apple. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. It's when you get into rye whiskey, wheat whiskey, and things like that, as, because everybody wants, let's just start with weeded bourbon because it's low-hanging fruit. Everybody wants weeded bourbon right now, a single barrel of brand XYZ that's always out there. They're fighting for it. Uh, for us as smaller brands, it's also managing expectations. Um, you may not have a line down the street for our single barrels that come out. But with our brands, you get us. Like, okay, um, I, I don't particularly want to sell my single barrels, so they might get a ticket to enter a lottery for an allocated barrel. Right. Will I do that? Of course. And that gets recognized more often than not. At least I'd like to think it does. And, your, you, what, what, and your glasses are tortoise shell and gold mine are black and silver so i've noticed that that's I a differentiation i think your lens, lenses Otherwise are a little bit smaller that could be no well, i was gonna ask a question but i forgot <laughs> i have one okay uh eric do you does old elk look at because of the growth of the single barrel within the company are you looking at that as like almost a gateway to the brand by doing so many single barrels it just seems like there's been such an increase with with the brand that it's just it's kind of where the hybrid of uh exclusivity uh we call it lto's limited time offerings that get released a couple times a year yeah we all know what they are uh to me this is like kind of their the the seam the dovetail of an lto versus something that that it is only at one place right. or maybe a couple of places for independent retail chains or whatever or if you're going in on a whiskey group uh, for for me and my wife and i don't know for everybody else in the room um i don't care about limited allocated whiskeys i like barrel pigs um if i'm going to a store if i'm going to a bar uh nick moss my brother-in-law built your distillery it's like the world gets small the more you get out into it um to me, that's a reflection. That's that's the shutting your phone off, and that's to me the next storytelling aspect of our community that I think is quietly building a little uh, steam in, in in what we do. Mm-hmm. It's there's trusted people that I go to. Um, I'm not sure I'm, I should say who they are, but the major Chicago players that be like I'm gonna buy something that this person does blind because I trust their palate. Yeah. And I know they get weird with it. They don't, they don't want the safety zone. And it's usually independent retailers too. I was yeah. gonna wonder, are you guys building in the retail space in the off-premise more than focusing on the old adage of building a brand in the on-premise? Um, I'm trying I'm trying fiercely to build our uh, on-premise presence. Um, I know the last couple of years really kicked the shit out of Chicago. So I'm trying to give our bars and restaurants uh, a lot of love. Um, with that on uh, off-premise it's if people come to me and ask for something uh, if they want one of our weeded bourbons sure come to Colorado but that's the only way you're getting one is you have to make the journey um, <laughs> I like that. which most people don't that's why I come to Australia too <laughs> you want a single yeah, come, to come to Australia it's right down the, it's right down the street um, but trying to build our on-premise uh, presence is something I've been extremely focused on um, since joining the team I, I i think that's where we have a lot of room to grow not only in the city proper 
Uh, the suburbs are the cultural wasteland uh, that they once were of when I was coming up, because it was. Um, Patty McFlipflops, you know, Douchey McBaggersons or whatever chains that were out there, um, they're gone now. Uh, there are places that are thriving in the suburbs. I encourage exploring the suburbs. Google it. There are places that are around. Uh, for sure. I, I mean, our, our age groups stayed in the suburbs. You know, they didn't move, rush into Chicago and well, now they they're moved demanding, out of uh, Chicago. You know, moved, they came to Chicago and they moved back to the suburbs, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, so, right. I mean, it, it demands a certain level of um, a different a different style of douchebaggery, if you will. Well, I think, it's, I mean, yes, you can say that, but also, as we were talking before... And I did say that. Before we turn the microphones on, Eric, not Matt, um, there's people out there who become tastemakers for their area. And yes, they don't even necessarily sure. realize for it, because sure. they, have these, they have great whiskey, they have great wine, they have great spirits in general, a great beer selection. And they can help those customers that don't know it, maybe as much as you would know in a city versus the suburbs, grow with these brands. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's, I mean, both my wife and I are on supply side. Um, we enjoy having those challenging conversations, uh, especially in the suburbs, but here in the city as well, that they, you can tell, you for us, it's impossible to walk into a bar and not size it up. Like, are they playing the <laughs> allocation game? Like, okay, yeah. what kind of vodka is in the well because of what kind of whiskey they Term- want? Shit like that. Terminator vision. Kind of, all the data yeah. flashes before our eyes. Possible homosexual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> getting in there and, and having those conversations with people and, and having those. That was a Simpsons those, reference for listeners at home. That was a Simpsons reference. Never seen it. Um, to, to walk into a place and they have, and I've had it said to me working for a smaller brand, is that they only want to sell people uh, whiskey that they that is asked for. And I look, see a couple hundred whiskey bottle bar going on and be like, you're a tastemaker and you're going to pander to the hashtag uh, mouth breathing whiskey people of the world. Thank you for laughing at that. Um, <laughs> And it's and like, and it, it doesn't. It, it's not meant to come from a standoffish position. It's meant to envelop more people into yeah. the broader conversation of I, what's I happening. The, I tell those folks point blank. Well, then you're wasting money because there's a bunch of stuff up there that people aren't going to buy unless you suggest it. Sure. Yeah. You know. So like, like why why bring our brands in and there's on the yeah. shelf and get dusty? And yeah, there's so. a bunch of brands that will not put people out on the street. Yeah, I um, that they don't have people running around working the street, um, hustling. Uh, smaller brands work harder. We we just do because we enjoy it. Yeah. We enjoy those punishing days because we savor the victories that much more as well. And getting out there and doing the honest work. Uh, the the thing I love the most about Old Elk is that I don't have to contribute to social media at all. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, I hated that part. What do you uh, mean? Uh, I just, to me, it's noisy. Um, no, what do you mean why you don't have to? Because it's not part of my job description. It's fantastic. Okay, okay. I just know there was like a, um, kind of a, a I do organically. Re- yeah, organically um, reaction to Old Elk on the internet where 
people are already kind of doing that, so ambassadors and market managers really don't need to contribute as much? Sure, there's there's an ugly word in people our like industry. There's an ugly yeah. uh, acronym, I should say, in our oh. industry. We oh. call we call KPIs, key, board, uh, key point indicators. I never knew that stood that, for. And that's yeah. why I'm bad at my job. Um, to where like a lot of people out there. There um, are other reasons, but that contributes to it, Jake. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you're doing some self-reflection now uh, it's, with Eric. It's boxes that are checked. Um, you, I'm in my 40s. Uh, I don't need to be out downtown Chicago every night. I will for very pointed purpose, but to stand underneath the fluorescent light and to serve whiskey to somebody to really hope they buy my whiskey someday is not worth my time. Um, I'm obsessed with return on investment of not only my time, but my company's dollars and getting in front of the right people. When we had Greg in town, yeah. uh, it was a very pointed visit to, I didn't want him to be in front of everybody. I wanted him to be in front of the right people. So why'd you and put that, him in front of us? <laughs> <laughs> because you've recorded a, a two hour, you've recorded a two hour podcast with him. Yeah. And, and I learned a lot. I, I wasn't mm. there. I was flying back from Queens, New York, New York. I was flying in from Queens. And I listened to it, and I learned from Greg through that podcast. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. He's disarmingly knowledgeable and humble at the same time. It's truly rarefied air. He's a master of what he does. I don't know what it is about microphones, but it was the same way we finally had Dave on our podcast. Um, he t said so much. The founder of our distil my distillery oh. is... A he told stories he's never told before mm -hmm. on that podcast. I like I learned how to do my job better from that two hour conversation than, yeah. than you know maybe like a year or two into the job because you get to sit down and have that intimate moment. Having having Greg in town uh, really reinvigorated um, my enjoyment of the brand. That's awesome. And what I do and why I do it. Um, there are very few people in this world that can do that after almost being done with the industry over the last couple of years, and. It was uh, driving him back to the hotel. Yeah, we had a Coors Light and a cheeseburger at the nearest bar. Yeah, that's it. I'm like, this guy's learned more and forgotten more about whiskey than I can ever hope to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting there having a Coors Light and a cheeseburger, mm -hmm. like that kind of just you can't make stuff like that. Yeah, because we've all had bosses in this industry. When you're at those kind of bars, when you're at a bar like this, which means so much to us as local ambassadors, so much as local brands, yeah. people who are really trying to build it. Uh, build their brand every single day and you have one day a week when the owner says come on in I will talk to you no matter who you are whatever you're representing you can come in and do that and then you bring those bosses to these accounts that show show support for us show love for us and they're like why am I sitting in this dingy bar why am I drinking a high life and having a beer or, or having a, a burger when I could just be out at blah 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 steakhouse downtown and supporting that account and spending three hundred dollars and the answer well, is that's, because, an, that's yeah. an important part of our industry too is right. that um bourbon and, and American whiskey has only just started to experience what single mall went through years ago is that the bifurcation of lifestyle versus luxury. Mm. It's like, do you want to drink it or do you want to be seen drinking it? <laughs> you walk into a bar and ask for, Hey, can I get a shot of Macallan or can I get a Macallan? Can I, I'm doing it right now. I know you can't see me, but like I say, Macallan, I say, Pappy, you smile afterwards because you're going to be seen drinking that that's a lifestyle thing. Uh, versus, you know, we don't drink that much at home, but when we do, we make it count. Uh, whether it's, um, you know, it's a, a, a seven-year-old corn whiskey from Dancing Goat Never or something like that, that it, to me tastes like tiramisu. I enjoy that because it is a treat. I'm going to have it outside. Like that sort of thing. And it's, 
the bifurcation is something that I mean we're still getting used to. I'm still getting used to mm. um, that drinking things and nerding out about things like we do and this whole room does apparently <laughs> as opposed to be seen doing that and and adding to that noise mm. you know there's there's too much noise there's a lot of noise um there's a lot of placating that happens in this industry as oh, well jesus christ <laughs> there's a lot of uh got another hour on you yeah, we can talk uh, about uh, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of commodifying of this industry too you know sure and that's what happens sure. with those larger brands i think that's what happens with whiskey in general right now and it's just so interesting putting it in your perspective where like the guy who is drink who is basically he invented rye whiskey as we know it here in America in a way or reinvented I should say where that so much of what he produced so much he made is what what 80 90% of people are drinking basically of a rye whiskey based on a mash bill yeah. and you can't get that label to be like you can't get this label to be a Macallan when it should be because based on the person who's making it has so much importance to what, oh, this overall industry yeah. yeah, and it's uh, but strange. Can we possibly do that? Will we? Do, are we growing into that, or is that just going to be these brands, uh, these legacy brands, are the ones to stay, and maybe there's no more room for? I'm talking. I mean, the brands have been so separated from the people who were involved. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, it's just a, a huge gap to the mark, the marketing that was in the '80s and '90s with, or even before that, with decanters. Yeah. and it has to be total Americana. It's this huge separation between the makers and, That's a great and, point. What, and the brand. Because yeah. it goes back to World War II, like when soldiers came home from World War II, it was Jim Beam standing at the door saying, "We're gonna, we're, here's all this whiskey to, this, to the soldiers. Here's yeah. our marketing towards the troops and towards America." Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, the end. But there's, a, no, there's just <laughs> such a separation. And most consumers still um, are struggling with that connection to the brand, and they're like not as brand loyal, or they're brand loyal to their their dad's whiskeys. It's it's just all over the place. We have we're making new connections, right? And there's a constant theme through all these conversations that there's an oversaturation on the shelves of whiskey in sure. a way, and sure. we're contributing yeah. to it every single day. You know, yeah. that's gonna change. Yeah, uh, right. Please. My my crystal ball uh, for whiskey is Your beer. Is beer. Um, you look at what happened with beer a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, growth by acquisition, things like that. Like that's ha that's happening yes. right, right now. Right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very small, uh, in very undramatic ways, but it is happening very much right now. Beer is very different. You know, you could put in a bunch of money, get you know the brewery equipment, which is much less expensive than. Whiskey making yeah. Yeah. equipment, you get um, the same product basically, the same raw product, and you make a cheaper product at higher yield, and you can kind of pump the market and and get in there and make some numbers and then sell out way quicker than whiskey. Sure, uh, and I see it as I see it as my role in the industry. Um, my to first get old elk sold. No, well, that yes, drink old elk uh, <laughs> responsibly, of course. Um, <laughs> My, I see my role, my first branded gig was years ago, and I was sitting at the president of uh, the company's desk. Donald Trump? Uh, no, oh. he, no, it wasn't Donald Trump, because that would have been a totally different president. interaction. It, uh, the president of my former company, and he said, why would I hire you? And I'm like, well, it's, it's my job to do what Google can't. Um, to me, that's oh, the bro shit. that's the romance of, the, of our business. You did it now, Eric. <laughs> I'm doing what Google can't. Oh, no, shit. it's it's my job to do that. I oh, can't yeah. do what Google can't. But you're mm -hmm. getting um, enriching the tapestry. Mm. Uh, getting mm. when getting, you say tapestry, I get all 
Well, getting past the filter of things yeah. and and actually adding to the conversation and where you're so engaged in something that happens to where you don't even think about putting your phone out. And granted, I might, I'm, it might be because I'm part of that generation that I still ask questions. Yeah. I don't ask who that one guy sitting next to, say, Matt Brown at the bar. Hey, who is that guy? Who is that player for uh, Liverpool that blah, blah, blah? Stuart, a, Stuart Downing. There's a Ooh, whole generation of people that That's won't even ask that anymore. That'll be on yeah. there and be like, James okay, it's, it's, it was J- Milna, James Milna. His last home game today. It was We're his not going to talk. Game. Bobby, F. And, Bobby F. And yeah, Bobby, Bobby F. Firmino. And Ox and Navi You yeah. won't see me. They look great in Everton Shedding kits some next tears year for some in the, of these the championship. Often. What's that? They look great next year in Everton kits in the no, championship. No, Miller's going to Brighton. I know, I know. That's nobody, just that, nobody it's where Everton. Uh, well, that's a problem. Yeah, we'll, we'll stay off that conversation. Um, should we ask the audience about this wheat whiskey we're trying? Yes, yes what do you, what do you guys like think it? of the wee whiskey? Let's all shout at the same time. Because that's good podcasting. Right? Yeah, let, let's introduce an element to this three-hour-long podcast that we haven't uh, <laughs> we're done. Did so you guys all like it? We're two in, yeah. baby. Cool. <laughs> Very cool. Are you here to stay for the long game, Matt? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, are you... Let me say that into the mic this time. Yes, I will stay. Okay, wow. <laughs> I'm getting great. attention. There's no prying me away from um, this now. We can either, Eric, you can stay here for our next. Uh, do we want to pour another old? Yeah, old whiskey? We do, let's do that first. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Let's awesome. run. Let's run over into the next distillery's time because we don't really need to hear about them. <laughs> I um, don't want to mess with Nick Moss. No, 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 at no. All no. We, have, we, have, we have one more distillery for him, but it's not, oh, okay. it's not important. Um, anyway, uh, what are we drinking? Um, so we're gonna pour right now. It's gonna be our six-year ninety-five-five rye. Uh, from obviously Greg Metz that we finished for five and six months in Barbados rum casks that held rum for 14 years. Um, if you don't like this whiskey, your feelings are wrong. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> where to go. I got the laugh and well, I'm just where, in no, disarray. Where, so where did the idea for rum barrels come into play? Uh, I mean, this is uh, obviously everything gets Greg Metz's stamp of approval. Everything gets Greg Metz's stamp of approval uh, on the label. For me, our blending and finishing is a really, uh, it's Melinda Maddox's contribution to our program. Okay. And finding that balance. Oh, hey, latecomer, good. (laughs) Finding the balance. Finding the balance and finding where for me, finished whiskey is is really the art form of dovetailing the core spirit in with the finishing spirit as well. I'm sure we've we've all been in the presence of finished whiskeys are like, oh, I get a lot. I don't get a lot of the finish, or I get too much of it. And that's what I really enjoy about like our finished whiskeys is we really really hit the sweet spot, and when it's done, we pull it. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's the it's a pure editorial process. You yes. know, it's not yeah. just yeah. It's it's lovely. You really get to see the uh, uh, the intention of the maker in finished whiskeys, and it's a category that I'm you know I, I can be hot and cold on. I know a, a lot of finished whiskeys, a lot of uh, finished bourbons especially. I kind of go in and out of. They get kind of. Uh, too much of a toothsome peanut butter and jelly kind of thing. They're sure, sure. they're chunky. They're sweet. You know, 
yeah. but this is um, this is not that. It's lovely. <laughs> no, I think there's and there's always intent. I assume when Greg is starting to use a finished whiskey, I'm just not following a trend, but actually, oh yeah, what what could this grain? How could this grain be? Or how does the barrel contribute to this grain bill and, sure. and fixing sure. there and bringing out more flavor profile than you wouldn't have without that barrel finish? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you look at I for me being a rye guy for sure. Um, for one, I, I enjoy that. I didn't know this about you, Eric. Wow, what a revelation. Are you a rye guy? After several years of friendship, I had no idea. I just, I like it. That's kind of how I came into branded work was a lot of the rise of my former brands from uh-huh. MGP were yeah. very young. You can get away with a lot yeah, more. Yeah, for, I you can. I think with rye whiskey, yes, you, can, you can, bourbon. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, Eric, thank you for all these delicious old elks. We like this a lot. The uh, the rye bear, or rum finish as well. Um, everyone's holding their thumbs up. Cheers and out that. Yeah. Where? Uh, Let's do one more cheers. Yeah, please for everybody. Take us out, baby. Rum finish rye. Cheers, cheers guys. Boom. Oh no, we're doing one of these, Matt Brown. You better get. We're doing the loopy arms. Mm. Eric and me are doing the loop. There, there comes the loop, and there's the finish and the taste. And Jordan, oh, I dribbled it a little bit out of my mouth too. Um, Eric, do you want to stay for the interview of our next brand? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's this one. We don't, oh, okay. we don't have to. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Chris take over on this one. Actually, a few people may have I'm, heard of this brand. I don't know. I'm just gonna sit back. And, I'm gonna change my alter ego of this frequent, one. Frequent <laughs> listeners to the podcast may have heard yeah. of this brand. It is the one and only. Starward out of Australia. What are we going to be drinking, Jake? Well, you know, as we've poured more samples and more beers to the audience, the louder the increase yes. in volume has gained. Yes. Um, so I'm not sure if they've even heard what we're doing, but don't even worry about it. We'll just drink it. Should, should I announce to them? No, no. 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 We'll, Reject we'll, more, Jake. We'll, we'll, just drink, we'll, we'll just drink here more with us. So Only you have us. brought a special, a special release that prior to... Now was Australian only. Guys, can we take the volume down a little bit? Guys, take the volume down a little bit. Can't hear each other. Um, sorry, Chris, go ahead. So you have brought today a selection from Starward. Yeah. A previously unreleased, except for Australia. True. And what it what is it that uh, you brought today, Jake? Well, I just like to ha- take a moment and say a moment of self indulgence is always great yeah. to have on this podcast. Please, I don't usually venture out into the Which Star Wars. Never world. done before. Never done before. <laughs> never talked about Star Wars once on this podcast. So uh, here we go. Yeah. So today it's a little bit special day. Um, we are launching uh, one of our. Our third LTO ever, as you mentioned, Eric, limited time offerings here in the U.S. It is a coveted whiskey over in Australia where we make our whiskey, but it's the first time it's, we're releasing it to the United States. This is called Ginger Beer Cask Number 7. This is a great-looking bottle, by the way. We try. I, we try. You know, it's, hopefully the whiskey tastes as good as the outside the bottle looks. I, I know it's cynical. I, I can tend to lean towards cynical, but I'm a very big <laughs> proponent of... Uh, People drinking with their eyes. Like if I, like if yeah. I see that bottle, I'm gonna grab it and look at it on the shelf. Yeah, and I've been it's teasing cold. this whiskey to the Chicago and the U.S. markets uh, for quite some time, and it's finally here. We thought we were gonna release it last year, but we finally came out with it right now on World Whiskey Day or the weekend of World Whiskey Day. Technically, we launched it on May 17th, but only online. But the Chicago market, that you guys are the very first people to be trying ginger beer cask number seven um, anywhere in the United States, as far as I know. So. Cool. Cheers well, to all of you. The nose is nuts. It smells great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get, the package looks good. It has almost kind of. You like look a, good. Thank you. Yeah. 
it kind of has like kind of like a peachy tone to it. It's, mm. This is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very interesting whiskey that um, takes a long process to make. Uh, we do things a little bit more difficult at Star Wars just to make our whiskey that much more delicious. You know, what's the, what's the distillate in there? Do you mean expensive? <laughs> yes, that too. Um, the distillate inside of here is single malt. Everything we produce is always a, a single malt whiskey. Oh, okay. You know, other than twofold being our blend of wheat and malted barley. Sure. Uh, ginger beer cask is a single malt whiskey that we uh, finish inside of ginger beer cask barrels, essentially. What that means is that um, we create a ginger beer at our distillery. We put it into barrels of our expression Nova, X barrels of that. We let it barrel age in there for a little bit period of time. We kind of always adjust the barrel aging based on which number we're putting out uh, into the market. We've been doing this for about 10 years and this is the seventh iteration of it. So once the ginger beer cask is inside of those Nova barrels for um, some period of time, we take the ginger beer out and then we put uh, Nova, which is our core single malt product, and then Solera, which is another our single malt, and blend it into barrels of these ginger beer casks and let it finish inside of there for about a year. Um, so it's about three-year-old whiskey, then finished inside of these ginger beer cast barrels for about uh, about 12 months. We always change it up a little bit based on what year we're releasing it. Initially, we had this whiskey released out to the public uh, 10 years ago, where our distillers were asked to make a ginger beer for our bar at our distillery. Being the degenerate brewers and distillers by trade, which they are, they made like a 14% ginger beer. And my boss is like, well, we really can't service at a bar to the public. We'll be making 30% uh, alcohol cocktails. So um, they decided to put the ginger beer into a barrel just to see what would happen. I think they even tried to dry hop it at one point. I'm not really sure. But um, (laughs) yeah, the ginger beer sat in these barrels. We just got hops to do things with, man. Right, right. It's not a product that we pay money for at all. No, you know, exploration, baby. Exploration. That's That's what we've been talking about all day. Small brands. We can do that stuff. These, uh, beer sat inside of these barrels it became a topic of conversation between our distilling team and through all the friends that came and visited our distillery bar some of the breweries found out that we had these barrels um, one in particular called boat rocker and they asked if they could have the barrels once they uh, we emptied the ginger beer we said yes they took the barrels back to their brewery i believe they barrel aged the ipa which is strange to do um, and then sent the barrels back to us and then we finished our single malt inside of there for the first time. And that became the first wow. iteration of ginger beer cask um, 10 years ago. These now, poor barrels, these bedraggled barrels yeah, just, just putting th- through just the fucking mill. Getting rolled all across Port Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, yeah, down in there, getting up all the nitty gritty. Let me die. So is this a... Sell is this me a, out of the gift shop, please. Is this That's a limited release or is this going to be a... very limited. We okay. only got... 28 cases, six packs of it in, in Chicago. We only have about 90 cases total in, in the entire U.S., not even that much, to be honest, probably 80. We did a ballot online to release the first 200 bottles that was uh, given away on, world, or on May 17th. And we had multiple thousands. I can't say the exact number. I've been sworn to secrecy. Um, but we had a lot of thousands of people that signed up to have a chance to buy a bottle of this. And there was only 200 available online. And then we we're only releasing it in California and Chicago. So awesome. is this going to be $300 a bottle? No. It's going to be like $90 oh. to $100. That's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so it's, it's has a cult following over in Australia. My boss always says that you have a better chance of getting in, mathematically, getting into Harvard than actually winning one of these bottles over in Australia. It's, t- it's basically a yearly release that we decided to bring to the United States because it's our, technically, if you project it through all the numbers, it's our best-selling whiskey. You remove Harvard. <laughs> yeah, remove Harvard, go to Stanford. No. Um, go to DePaul. No. Just don't go to college. Just sell whiskey. 
Yeah. So um, this is ginger beer cask. I know there's some people in the audience who've been waiting to try this. I hope it doesn't let you down your taste buds. It's a very fiery, gingery taste to it. So Each year, good. as I mentioned, they kind of try to do it a little bit differently. The, the even numbers are usually a little bit more softer and toned down in the ginger profile. And then on the odd number years we release it, we usually get much more of this gingery root spiciness to it. I get a little bit of that spicy mango dried fruit from Trader Joe's. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, it has a really fun quality to it. So it's a special release for America to come out this uh, come out in a couple of days. It's very cool. Once our distributors get all the paperwork in and yeah. do all that fun stuff. So. so it might be out in July is what I'm hearing. No, hopefully next week. <laughs> hopefully officially next week. But we do have a bottle downstairs of Delilah's to taste What's tonight. your laid-in cost? What's your FOB on this, motherfucker? Ten dollars. Okay. Wow. Australia. Australian. The, the, the distributor's really taking the <laughs> taking the piss on this one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Oh no. Uh, welcome to Matt's distributor uh, talk. Um, no. Any other questions you want to ask me? Why? Why would I ask? I'm, I'm being interviewed right now. Oh. Oh. Uh, okay, so um, I put these sunglasses on Star Wars. What's the SEO on that that motherfucker? Does Google try to try to correct us a Star Wars or? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> do you have other experimental whiskeys coming out? Or, we do. Or what do you um, have going on so in I'm Australia? Doing, do you have any other experimental barrels coming out that are maybe Australia only that are coming to this country? Coincidentally, I'm doing a thank you, Eric. I'm doing a, a whiskey tasting downstairs at Delilah's right after this uh, podcast, so I have to say somewhat sober. And we are we are releasing some new things. We actually I have a bottle in my backpack that I don't think anybody knows about. Um, there is a don't tell us here then. Let yeah. it be a surprise for people who show up later well, today. How, how these and so our next guest on. Uh... <laughs> oh, uh, I should not have brought Matt to this podcast. It's getting a little rowdy here. Um, yeah. You anyway, did this on purpose. No, I didn't. I was just trying to be nice, invite you to the podcast. Calum and Wilson were out of town. All the, uh, all the points you win, all the points you, uh, <laughs> win for being nice are uh, out the window for this reveal because I feel bad. Jake, do you have any other experimental whiskeys from Australia that might be coming to the United States for the first time? Man, I'm really glad you asked that question. I actually do. Um, we have a whiskey called Nova, which I talked about. It's our flagship single malt whiskey. We barrel age it in Shiraz barrels, but then we uh, got a hold of some uh, Lagavulin casts. Oh, oh, okay. The, oh, the ears perked up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, go, like, it's like when you said McAllen earlier. Go on. <laughs> go on. Maybe they're Talisker 10 casts? I don't know. Um, so we got these casts from our investor, if you can guess who that is. Yeah. Um, they gave us these casts. Fred Talisker. Yes. And we finished Nova inside of there for 12 months. So we have a whiskey called Peated Finish, which just came out in Australia, the second iteration of it. And I just got samples of it this week. So I figured out why bring it to World Whiskey Day and we yeah. can try it out. When we awesome. do a little Star Wars tasting downstairs, Matthew Brown. I might like to try that, I, sir. I have a question for you, Jake, okay. about um, Starward. <laughs> you know, last year, Starward received many accolades, one of which was Distillery of the Year. Yes. How has that affected the view of the brand yeah. and, and how you go about uh, your business here in, in the U.S.? 
after receiving such award? Yeah, it's a topic of conversation. I mean, San Francisco World Spirits, we won that award. It's kind of seen as like the Super Bowl, I guess, if yes, you will, of, for sure. of awards. Even though I think all this year... I would describe it that way if I won Distillery of the Year there as well. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Are we booing Matt or booing Star Wars? Matt. Okay. That, was, okay. that, was a, that was booing uh, Matt. Jesus. Oh, so yeah, we won that award. Um, it's been a topic of conversation because we just found out the other day we're actually up for Distillery of the Year again this year. Wow. And we, I don't think it has had the impact that we thought it would have. Other distilleries or other whiskeys when they win Best in Show or Best Bourbon, it seems to really uh, catapult them to everybody's top of the wish list of everybody who wants, is out there trying to find all these allocated bourbons yeah. and allocated whiskeys. And it, it did that kind of in a way for Sullivan's Cove back in 2014 when one of their single malts won Best in Show. Mm-hmm. Great whiskey. And it really put Australia on the map as being known for a country that actually distills the whiskey because yeah. that's one of the hardest parts of my day is going out and selling whiskey. And you say Australia and people are like, they make whiskey there? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. I literally had a buyer a couple of months ago he thought I was making up that we, I was selling an Australian whiskey and that, and that Austria, Australia makes whiskey. Really? I asked three people and no one, no one even knew what it was. And it's like, well, ask better people. I don't it's know. It's a real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Google it, I guess, for lack of a better uh, yeah. term or better uh, outcome than we've been talking about here. But, yeah, it really hasn't had the significant impact. There's people that – there's certain retailers, like um, a big – Grocery store here, Jewel Osco, it caught their attention. They purchased a lot of single barrels, brought in our core products, and it's been a really great partnership um, since then when we kind of brought them in about a year ago. Yeah. But overall, across the country, it really hasn't, like, we haven't had, like, these this giant boost in sales or, like, what happened to McKenna 10 a few years ago. Right, right. Where it just basically disappeared off the shelf because everybody wants a bottle of it. Now, it definitely has helped um, people understand that Australia is making whiskey. Star Wars is making good whiskey and quality whiskey out there for you to enjoy. So I always say people are probably more venturing on the shelves and they see it to grab a bottle. Yeah. But um, if we win it two years in a row, uh, which we possibly could, then maybe we'll have some better luck this time. Yeah. Matt Brown. No. Why are you throwing it to me? I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't want to host this segment of the podcast. I can. Should I ask myself Chris questions? Chris is doing a great job. Yeah, you wanna, <laughs> no, it's okay. Say Chris is, Chris no, is I think we... Oh, Matt, why don't you come a up cra- here? A question yeah. from the crowd. Great transition. Yeah, please. Nick, walk up here, my dear boy, and say... So, Nick Brady Moss from Dancing Goat will be joining. No, th- th- just come sit down. We're going off the rails here. All, all, here? all we here. want you to do is talk on here, into a microphone right now. So Nick Moss is going to come up to the microphone and ask a question. I do have I have a product-based question off the, the Ginger Cask. Yes. We love the Ginger Cask. Me and Craig, obviously, big fans. We have a new friend. He's got a mouth. His girlfriend's concerned about it. She's fucking great. She makes whiskey. We love her. Yep. Um, but the, shout, the, out to, shout out to Few. Shout Michael, out to Few. Michael Kilmer. Shout are out you, to Few. Michael Kilmer, are you coming? The Few successful. Yes. Shout out to Few. Anyway, yes. So, but my product-based question was: I'm, I'm a mixologist by by trade, uh, originally. <laughs> That's I'm not part, true. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Rumchata. Um, when you when you when you have the finish that you did on that, yes, is delicious. You you talked about how you alternate levels of ginger, which I'm gonna say alternate levels of spice year yeah. to year. Yeah. Um, this one is incredibly spicy. Love it. One of the things I noticed about it is it's very slippery on the palate. Mm. It's almost basic on the palate. Yes. And in making cocktails, that gives a lot of opportunity. And if you found that 
trying to program this. I don't know if it's cost prohibitive to program in this market based off cock because we, there's a magic number there. Yeah, you know? right. Um, and I don't know where this is coming out. And I mean, I'd pay 40 bucks for that bottle. So um, <laughs> I would. I would pay 40, 50, 60 bucks for that. How much to hold is it? How old is it? Yeah. Uh, it's around four years old, I, I guess. I'd pay 60 bucks for that bottle. How much is that bottle? 100. I'd pay 100 bucks for that bottle. <laughs> 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 anyway. What's important? What else? Australian excise taxes are very different. Import fees are very different. Uh, we don't have huge import fees, and there's no trade embargoes with Australia, so that's really great. Yeah. How's your excise? You're producing over there. You have a high excise, right? Yeah, yeah. So we have, I'm making a gin over there right now with my brother. Yeah. Um, and we're paying on a, on a $70 bottle, we're paying about $35 worth of excise. Yeah, that's usually it's, how it goes. It's about 30%. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Does that translate to over here? Yeah, we just try to keep it cost prohibitive, and we think about it. How it's been one part of the of the distillery since day one. It's like, how can we get this whiskey out to the masses and sell it? I, my boss is basically taking a loss at the very beginning. I mean, we all kind of do in a way. Oh, yeah, brand, yeah. It's part of building yeah. brand. Yeah, yeah. it's part of it. Um, anyway, you had a cocktail question. So cocktail question. So <laughs> it's slippery, which suggests it's, which suggests it's basic in pH at least a little bit. It might not be, but it suggests that. Have you found that you have a lot of range on acidity in there? Have you also found that you have great finishes on cocktails because? For, for me personally, what I'd say with this thing is yeah. a little soda water, dress it up with gnarly garnishes, maybe a little mace, mm. maybe a little uh, nutmeg, like, like full we're not, nutmeg. We're not doing that yet. But something great. He's well, asking, I'm asking him a question. This is still so a Star Wars interview. In man, terms of a cocktail. Oh, for the love of can we, Nick's already here. No, come on. Just pour it. No, we're drunk. Talk about Star Wars. So in, ter in terms of the cocktail itself, have you found any challenges in, in the texture? Have you found that to be a really awesome velvety sweet spot? Yeah, so I, this one has never been really a cocktail focus because uh, we have such a limited amount of bottles yeah. for it. So it only sits at our distillery for, I, they probably do do cocktails with it. Um, in past iterations, I would always say an old fashioned be great with it, like, especially that cherry note kind of yeah. coming out of it. But with this version of it, I just think a whiskey sour would be amazing. Yeah, a sour, a true sour with actual egg white and then yeah. poured it. Yeah, yeah. Make that a New York sour, that'd mm. be wicked. Because you, you have such good, I'm going to call it legs, but you have such good body on that yeah. texture yeah. that it lingers. If you have a little bit of port coming through, the texture coming through supported by the egg white, it'd be a phenomenal cocktail. Yeah, definitely. Um, we seem no, to be losing. We seem down. to be losing the attention of the audience. I can stand down. No, it's okay. Yeah. This is great. I had yeah. a lot of samples. Yeah. I've had a lot of samples, and I apologize because I got a lot. Of no, back you're here. you're part of being on the podcast. You're you're a part of the podcast. I love. The podcast. I was going to bring you up to be uh, a guest yeah. host of this section anyway, so it doesn't. It's working yeah. out perfectly. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Great. you did a great job. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any great. other questions you want to know? I do. I actually have a lot of questions. Oh and God. For people that don't aren't really familiar with the product, one of the most amazing things I've heard about your product, and one of the things I've asked you on a podcast. Oh God. On a previous podcast, you should. Um, you didn't shove this back in my face, but like I should have known this ahead of time, is that you guys take wine casts and you rechar uh, them. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and But you do it at all, which is fascinating. Yeah. Because no one does that. Right. And one of the things that I get out of a lot of your, I get a really weird, dark, murky caramel out of a lot of your products. Mm -hmm. They all have great body and they all have tremendous legs. Usually tremendous legs, it carries through to, to really good body and really good finishes. Right. But I the, the fruity, smoky, gnarly, sweet... I'm gonna call it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like dusty, funky notes I get off some of their releases is is it's very rare. And when you when you compound it with that specific anthracitic ginger note, yeah, it's fucking stellar. I mean, yeah, it really crazy. is awesome. Because you don't think this should work. No, you, you know, don't. Nothing about this idea should work. But I guess it's that, that inventiveness you get from distillers just messing around with different things. Getting back to the rechar cast, like yeah, it's very interesting because our whiskeys that look like this, for example. So dark, so complex. This is Delilah's single barrel of ours. 
this was in a French oak barrel that wasn't recharred. Yeah. It was extra Oz. And people always think like, oh, that's got to be a, a recharred cast because of the color. But we know that char acts as a filter. Yes, yeah. absolutely, 100, yeah. So yeah. We, yeah. Don't, we don't actually get that, cu- that um, liquid to wine interaction with the staves as fast as we do. So when we have a three, three-year-old whiskey that's not in a recharred cast, this is a four-year-old whiskey. It's dark and deep as much as a, I mean, is that the Spaniard right there? This is not the Spaniard. This is uh, I would ride for you, but that's oh, a heavy board finish. Right, right, right. Similar though. Right, exactly. Right. Very exactly. similar. Very right? similar. And then we have like a charred cask, and it's light. It almost looks like it coming from a French oak stave that was uh, was not recharred. You would think in your mind because of the notes you usually get, the color you usually get from a French oak stave, especially if you rechar it. Hundred percent. Char it, and so for us, we actually get more flavor and more character into our whiskeys for our non-charred wine barrels. So the really interesting thing about this is. Um, Use cooperage, right? Use cooperage with recharred wine cast. Yeah. The this was the heaviest port finish I could legally do without declaring it as a wet finish by making it DSS. Okay. Um, and you are darker than I am, and that that speaks a lot to the process. I'm like, no, come on, <laughs> we're not doing this. This is Chicago. Whoa, you can't do whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, man! Are you calling me up in my Italian heritage or what? <laughs> no, dude, God. the machine's in charge here. We can't start comparing our machines, dude. Uh, but the color and the body you guys get out of your dishlets are obscene. I have a lot of whiskey that his boss has made. Obviously, yeah. I mean, ours is one of them. And one of we have a lot of malt. Yeah. A lot of people know this. I have a ton of malt. Uh, most of it's 100 malt. A lot of it's 85, 15. By Some his boss, he means uh, Eric's Greg boss. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Greg Metz. Um, the, uh, <laughs> um, the, the really wild thing about all of our malts is we have, I think we're sitting at, we have 100 malt at about eight years old. Yeah. At about six year old and a ton of it. And we have 85, 15, and that's still 100 malt, but it's 85 brewers malt, 15 caramel pills. And then we have 100. Oh, the 100 is 99 brewers. You've tasted this. So 99 brewers, 1% uh, Negra Pilsner. Uh, but we can't get the body that you guys get. The first time, rewinding a little bit to our brand, Lindsay yeah. and Rye, the first can time we, we ran can a. Can we do an official intro? So are we, are we transitioning? Yeah, I think we can. Well, well, no, I was just going to no, 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 I don't want to transition because yeah, I have a question. I have a question okay, that links. Okay. All right, so okay, you do Solera and I do Solera. Yes. In a, in a different way, but it's still a similar structure. Very different, yeah. The first time that we did our Solera, when we so we got casts in, we bought a bunch of uh, limbs and oak casts, right. recharred them, um, got them rebuilt into barrels. 30 barrels became about 18, 19, 20 barrels. We made a 16 barrel Solera out of it. And the first batch that we put that through that Solera was, was squid ink, like purple black. And yeah. we haven't seen anything like that since. But I imagine, because the similarities are Solera, French oak, reused, retoasted. Mm-hmm. I, I see exactly where all that comes from, and, and it's awesome. Right. For us, our Solera system is more of a batting system. Yeah. It, right. But we are using recharged sherry cast, Australian sherry cast, which is even weirder to do. But it actually has a very light color to it. And it is a four-year-old whiskey, but it's also being barrel-aged in various size casts in that sense. So then after a four-year maturation, we're dumping it into that vat to let it mingle inside of there at cast strength so it swirls as an, an infinite, a giant infinity bottle for, out, for anybody out there trying to understand and picture it, where then, then after we barrel or let it mingle around in there, we release about 10% at a time to be bottled, and that's brought down then at a low proof to 86 Okay. Yeah. Why 86 Texture? I guess. I don't Texture really, and filtration, probably? Well, I think also... You know, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also texture and filtration, because if you go under the sink, you get chill haze. Yes. And then you got a chill filter. And, yeah, and, and if you're using wines, fuck chill filtering. Right. And we, we do a process awesome. called cool filtering. Okay. So talk we, me through that. Yeah. So, we, I mean, I can't technically, because I did. I mean, I, okay, I, never. Don't touch no, me. No, 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 no. I'm ah, not, no, you know what I no, mean. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Please do. Don't touch me. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, we bring it down, essentially, and filter it through the average temperature of a Scottish day. 
Okay, 100. Yeah, no, yeah. I, no, so, okay, I'm yeah, tracking we're you. We're going to like 41, 42. Yeah, you're getting degrees. on there, but you're not under 40. Exactly. So you're not technically chill filtered. And, and part of that process is because we're a world whiskey, we're Australian whiskey, and we work in a very complex uh, temperature zone of yeah. the world. And you know that by where you make your whiskey too. And we're having that fluctuation in temperature, you know, between 50, 60 degrees all in one day, yeah. happening for multiple months in a year. So, you know, as we all know, the pores of the barrels are working extra hard, opening and contracting at a high rate of speed. For us, it is the show. We're making whiskey in Australia. We're making four or five year old whiskey in Australia for a purpose. Yeah. Scotland can make 12, 20, 30 yeah. year old whiskey because of a purpose, and that is temperature. Yeah. yeah. So we can, if we can have that cool filtering and level down there, and have a reasoning for it, then we actually can uh, we can talk to the consumer about it and have a reasoning that they can understand. Hopefully. Hundred. Yeah. Have you ever gotten your sh- so little shift? And I hope you don't mind me kind of shit. Have you ever gotten your schnoz in one of those freshly charred used wine casts? Oh yeah. How is it? Uh, it's it's magical. It's fucking gnarly. No, huh? I, I uh, there's two reasons that um, I was already working for the brand. I was over in Australia. My first, I was a month into the company, in the company, and there's two things that really attracted me or backed up my decision of I made the right choice to come to this distillery. It was one dumping my head into one of those barrels yeah. and like being being in the rickhouse, smelling and experiencing everything, sensing everything. Um, firsthand being inside there being like all right this guy i met a uh, month and a half ago in chicago from australia that offered me a job brought me out here brought me out a month here. and a half ago he's he, he built we would fly me out to australia yeah, six weeks ago i will yeah. i will um and <laughs> <laughs> um buy, buy a few barrels and i will but you got it dude it's like okay this guy isn't crazy he's built something that none of us know about we didn't even. Uh, did you know about Star Wars before I started working for them? No. Like, yeah, exactly. And it's like this. And then they have 10,000, 12,000 wine barrels full of maturing whiskey there, in this beautiful facility. And then also this name recognition inside of their country. So I was like, wow, that's this is pretty cool. And then, then the second thing was I tasted our tawny cask, which is a single malt barrel aged 100% in a tawny cask. Which uh, Steve Malloy is getting a single barrel of that. Hi, Steve. Oh, Never yeah, heard yeah. of him. And the uh, the uh, Chicago whiskey hobbyists, whatever they're calling themselves these days, enthusiastic whiskey hobbyists. They're splitting that barrel with Steve Malloy. I yeah, heard that the enthusiastic hobbyists of Chicago. That's right. I heard Steve may also have a signed bottle of Drop 12 Time with my name on it Ooh. in a case, in an allocated case. Oh, oh no, wait, that's in the backseat of my car and it's half drink. Never mind. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> so what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that Steve Malloy's got the finest selection in why the country. Is, why is Steve not here? I don't know. I don't, I don't, that's kids and question. family? I drove all the way to Kentucky to hang out with him. He can't, some barrels. He can't even come to Where'd like Dark Chicago. Where didn't we go? So it sounds like you did go to. Sounds like in well in Kentucky you went to Barton. You went to. Nope. Okay, so you didn't go to Barton. <laughs> no. That's one place where you didn't go. Did you go to Four Roses? Nope. Nope. Did you go to? Chris was there too. Yeah. Well, you were there too. Yeah. Where the hell was we? Oh, I know where we were. We did were butchering you, did you, distributor meeting. Did you guys go to Yellowstone? You guys go to Yellowstone? No, no. we went to Maker's Mark. Okay. Oh, my favorite. Uh, we're not done guessing. Uh, we did you yeah, guys we go to Maker's Mark? Yes. We went to Bardstown. And we Ooh, selected a barrel of uh, Buzzard's Roost. You got the Buzzard's Roost barrel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Pretty good. One of their toasted yeah. finishes, or I don't think we picked that one. Uh, they do. They're doing everything. They're doing is rebarreled and yeah, re- right. and recharred. So I think there's a toasted fin- there's toasted yeah. barrel heads. In one yeah. Of them. Yeah. A bunch of barrels came online about a year ago. I think there was I mean, there was a ton of them through uh, KBV, and um, they were all they're but they were expensive as all get out because they were. Buzzard Roost toasted barrels. I don't know if they were toasted and charred because, like, if the ECBP, I shouldn't be saying this, 
but I'm saying it. ECBPT. Um, so can I speak in acronyms so that I don't I don't yes. violate? Okay. So ECBPT, which I think a lot of you know what I'm talking about. That barrel comes for we were quoted six to twelve months, one char, heavy toast. On those buzzard roosts, I'm pretty sure they were no char toasted. It was a, it was an LTO offering though. Offering they were awesome. 53 gallons ice seats. Um, they were they were supposed to be stellar. And so yeah. I'm looking for that release or, or maybe that's for a, a common component for them. But that's kind of what I've keyed on is from them is I want I'm looking for that toasted from them. Wonderful. So are we transitioning right to now? So our spirit Sherpa, our lead goat, <laughs> the man who dances upon roofs, nimbly. He'll waltz with me every once in a while, both in person and on Instagram Live. The man who's responsible for World Whiskey Day Extravaganza Part 3, bringing down the house, the founder, the owner, head distiller of Dancing Goat Distillery, Mr. Nick Brady Moss. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Hi, Nick. Hello, oh, Matt. Oh, yeah. So, I don't think we've met before. There's a reason why we have Matt Brown here. Um, he <laughs> finally, was, finally, we're getting to it. He, has, he was desperate calling out for someone to help him with his life. He says, Jakey, Jakey, I need you. I need you, Captain. I smelled bad. You smelled horrible. Unwashed. You still smell awful. Unwashed. You got it. Well, some things have changed. Some things have I, would, I, would, I wouldn't even though, call dude, it that's... coffee breath. I'd probably call it like rat poison breath or something like that. Dude, you, you look past that breath for that butt. And you he got said, that skateboard and butt on He said, on I'm desperate to get, out, I'm desperate get, to get out. out of the vodka game. I need back into the distilling world. And I said, wow, an opportunity has arisen to me. That I think I think you would be wonderful for a match made in heaven, maybe a match made in hell. A match made in hell, where two despondent minds on equal levels could come together and sell whiskey. And so I said, Matt, why don't you go work for Dancing Go Distillery? And Sean Dodson, not here. Sean Dodson, not here. He just uh, like Wilson Torres, he can't come. Oh, gosh. Which is such Nick, a disservice. Also, Nick, such a And Nick man. Brady Moss decided to make you a Chicago market manager. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks. This is great. Uh, thanks. Thanks. So pleased thanks. when thanks. you started this diatribe, I thought you were once again uh, disputing my rightful, hallowed place in Key in the Lake history. But no, this is actually, you're taking credit for me getting a job. <laughs> Which is a little bit more um, embarrassing. It's okay. We and love patronizing. You. So, but thank you. Yeah, I'm so hey, I'm so happy to have been put into contact. You know what? With I, these fucking guys. I so like glad to have you. So yeah, glad to have you. Hope you don't want to kill me. I like to I like to help friends. It was, it was pretty much. Um, so I was of course in the wilderness, they made having it. been laid off by a laughable vodka company. I didn't, um, I didn't say that. At the end of November, I'm saying he's it. telling the truth for the first time in his life. That's so. True. I'm opening up my heart to you. You know, they offered and it up to another guy, but he were, he's a world whiskey guy. <laughs> I'm a world whiskey guy. We just didn't know you yet. We didn't know you yet. Uh, so I took the down. I'm glad. And I was, uh, at that point, desperate. Oh! oh. You know who's still pretty desperate no, right no, here? No, no, Mr. No, Cambridge no, Coyote no, right no, here. No. Um, so, Nick The Cambridge Coyote, Nick Moss is here. Nick, how are you today? Cambridge Coyote. Thank you for having me. Did you bring Whiskey City sweatshirts? We brought. We didn't bring whiskey seed sweatshirts. I have some hats. Okay. And I have some shirts. Okay. And I have some. I can have. I have your shirt you're wearing right now. You can have my shirt I'm wearing right now, but I need your shirt that you're wearing right now. And I'm also gonna need anyone in the city to stitch like an eight-inch extension in that. Wow. Wow. He just dented the microphone. I How'd just, you dent the microphone? Just broke the microphone? He dented the microphone. He dented the microphone. You no. impacted the baby skull. That's a newborn. So um, a couple of years ago. 
uh, a boy named Bo reached out to me Bois. and said, I'm a fan of your podcast. Um, I also you, think you'd really enjoy our whiskey that we make up here in Wisconsin. And I was like, are you Jay Henry? Because <laughs> I know Joe Henry, and I don't think you are Joe. And it turned out that uh, Mr. Bo sent me some information about you guys. I, I had heard of you, it turned out. He sent me some samples. A couple months later, I decided to make the trip up there with Callum, not Wilson. Wilson could, could he, come. He won't come. He, he can't he, come. He can't come. It's crazy. And for context, this is episode, what, 15 or something? This oh, is no. early. No, early. this is like 130. Are you serious? He remembers. I thought this whole I thought this whole dance and goat dallings happened early. I mean, that's pretty early. It's like two years in the podcast. Oh, shit. We're four years in. How long this podcast is? Four years? Over four years. Pretty good. Pretty Continue. good. So you met Nick. I lost a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we met Nick, and then right away, you, we walk into the distillery. It's, it's hugs. It's long-lost brothers. Um, not just me, but also I think Callum, too. And it's been this ever-blossoming friendship and brotherhood since then. Thank you for supporting us, and thanks for coming to hear our story. You're the wildest mind I think I've met in this whiskey industry, and I mean that with the greatest compliment, because you have such a rich background with your dad, with your grandfather, the people you've met, and the people that you call friends, and they call you a friend as well, to be able to explore whiskey in the way you do by building your distillery, creating mash bills of your own, working with uh, the great MGP to create to have their whiskey brought to you, then build a Solaire system to blend it, to do everything, to put your touch on it as much as possible, not because you're just trying to do something different, because you have so many ideas swirling in and around in your head. Take this as a compliment. Thank you. I. So what Jake's asking, what no, the fuck were you uh, no, thinking, buddy? You, would you, you interrupt everything I've said today. Uh, you take so long to get to the point, Jake. I'm just trying to help out. I'm trying to pay the lightest way possible. Everyone's I'm, doing a great job. I'm trying to pay compliments to my friends. That's all I'm trying to do. I really appreciate it. I don't, it. Really, I don't really have sides. friends. I don't really have friends. You do. You got a friend in me, and I think you got a friend in Matt, but you know, you can, you anyway, can value that relationship. Anyway, it's complicated. Anyway, what are we drinking? Well, I think right now we're drinking I Would Ride For You. Um, so I Would Ride For You, so uh, appreciate it. And uh, so this is a 95 ride from MGP. Um, this is a Greg Metz distillate. I would like to say real quick, I do have around, I have some statements to retract about Greg. I've actually never met. <laughs> no, hold on, because I didn't. No, no, hold on, no, because I want to be legit. This is the I retraction wanna, portion. I want, and I'm just gonna be quick because I, I want to. I don't want to make this a, a Greg Metz commercial, but I made a comment on your thing Bro. about Greg a long time ago. Promo code. Balls, and I was mistaken. I thought that I'd met Greg at MGP once when I was walking through, and I did not. Okay. It was a different person. I've since Different seen Greg's Greg. picture, and I can say, <laughs> no, that was not Greg Metz. That, that was, was not, another I don't operator think, in the floor. Who that's very honest to you, unlike Matt Brown, but I feel like well, cause I defend, to be Well, to be honest, I defamed him in public, and I, I don't, I don't think that's right. What did you say about him? I, I'm not going to go back into it. Okay. I, I'm not going to go back into it. I don't remember you doing I was mistaken I don't remember on the interaction that I had with Greg. And... Um, and I wanted to make sure that I was, uh, and I, I tried to do this the day that, that we came to. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You tried yeah, this the day right, you came, right, right. but then Dixon just dropped yeah. next to me. I was like, what in the hell's going on? You know? I blame Dixon Deadman for a lot of things in this world, and that's one of them. Di you know, Dixon got a podcast, and I think he got a great idea from us, dog. Did he? You know? Yeah. They all he, should. He had fun. Dude, I'll never forget, like, me looking. Oh. You knew who he was, I had no clue. And well, I was he, like, holy fucking shit, that's he, he had his hood up at first, right? Well, he had, his hood up. He, 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 might, he had his hood up. He might have been in his cups a little bit. I don't, I don't know. No, he I wasn't. Was, we, we talked for a long time afterward. He wasn't. I thought it was. I thought this. I just thought, thought he was another distilled, like another like you drunk know, guy like, who's kind yeah, of wandering was, in. Like yeah. yo, they yeah. told me to sit down, yeah. and I was like, yeah, yeah cut his mic. 
Yeah. And then, he was just like, <laughs> and then I was like, I was like, no, 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 that's fucking Dixon. That I, so I, I, when you said that, I recognized who he was, and um, you said to cut his mic. I actually cut that out of the podcast. Though, so thank we're God. Now, no, but now God. we're saying because well, I thought podcast. it was just a rant. I didn't. Re- yeah. But then also, but yeah. you left in the podcast was when I go, holy fucking shit, you're Dixon. Yeah, yeah. Because I, because as a, as somebody who blends, as somebody who's operated for years, right. As someone who has tried to. Literally hack into the mash bills that Greg made at MGP. Right. I, I have a lot of respect for. I have a lot of respect for what Greg's done. So yeah. what do you mean by hack? I it's mean, a good so, place to start. No, it's a good place to start. Okay, so so it's a great place to start. Let's talk about some of the the products we have in front of us. So 95 Rye from MGP. Um, you heard great talk earlier about Greg and about that mash bill that was invented and and how it was ran. But one of the things that's really important is like. So, so you have a distillery, right? And let's say you run 6,000 gallon ferments, open top, you run a Vendome, it's a column with a doubler, you have all the specs to match MGP. What's the recipe, right? You know it's 95 rye, you know it's 5% malted barley. You can assume they're cooking with enzyme because everyone's cooking with enzyme right now. But here's a big question that no one ever talks about. What's your beer gallonage? How much, right. and that means how much water are you using? Mm. And when you start talking to people from MGP, MGP runs real, real tight and efficient mash bills. So like. 28 beer gallons, 29 beer gallons, things that are going to go through real thick. They're going to finish out. They're going to have high bricks to start. They're going to finish out pretty low. Decent ferments, about usually three days, 78, 79, 80-degree ferments. You know, real clean, real quick, get it done, get it in. Right. Well, if I'm sitting there, I'm talking 28, 29 beer gallons. And when I'm talking 28, 29 beer gallons, that's a, a, a basic way to think about that measurement is how many gallons of water I'm using for a bushel of grain. That's a real simple way to think about it. It gets a little more complex than that when you calculate it, but we're talking about rye specifically, 95 rye. Um, how much water are you using? And then one thing for me, so I have a 6,000 gallon fermenter, right? So I can cook a 45,000 gallon batch of, of whiskey um, with water that, that can hit you know, 18, 16, 17 bricks. So just for everyone's reference, I cook organic grains, or not organic, I cook a sustainable grains, which is very close to organic grains um, from local, so I'm not getting breeze efficiencies. If I was cooking breeze efficiencies, it'd be about 20, 22 bricks. Those will firm it out uh, about 10, uh, on, on the breeze grains, about 10 ABV. On our grains, somewhere around eight. Uh, for, for a long time, we were sitting around six. We're thinking we're getting about eight. I got a gnarly video of ferment from today. I think we're getting about nine on. I'm really proud of really? my operators at home. Yeah. Nice. But you start messing around with beer gallonage, and what you're going to start doing is you mess around with the amount of water in the ferment, which means basically you're diluting the dextrins you have to create the alcohol, right? And so from, from one standpoint, you look and you say, well, if I have a 6,000-gallon fermenter and I can fit 6,000 gallons with a mash in it, but I want to alter that ferment to have a higher beer gallonage, that means I'm gonna put less grain in it because I need higher water in relation to that beer. Well, that's less efficiency. I'm putting less grain through right. that. Which, and then, that's where we're getting our whiskey from. And that's a big problem, right. you know what I mean, for a lot of people. When you start talking to people from MGP, they run real dry ferments, right? When you start talking about, when you start talking to people from MGP that don't work there anymore and they can talk, yeah. Greg always talked about high beer gallonage being really beneficial for phenolic development on rice. Mm-hmm. And I've never even talked to Greg. I've said that. I've, I've, right. Now, now that I know who he is, I was like, oh, shit, that's not did the you, guy. I I, did you listen to his conversation with us? I did listen to his And that's I mean, where I saw the picture. The fermenters, you're like. It's not. The fermenter conversation. It's like, absolutely yeah. not. I mean, and the, the crazy thing, too, is like, like what you're talking when you talk to people and they're like, oh, yeah, like he reinvented rye whiskey. People don't understand, like, the, the market share on 95 rye out of Lawrenceburg, Indiana, is I mean, it's not even close to, and when you talk about bourbon, bur- the bourbon market is, I, I mean, I wish Sean was here because he would clean me up right away. It is, it is multiples higher, I mean, four to 10 times higher of what rye is. It's, it's crazy on a case sales basis. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. But when you start looking at, when you specifically start looking at the, the rye market alone, 
and the percentage of people like like for instance this is 95 rye for mgp i will i will pat myself on the back right now and say the only we have a special thing about our rye it's, it's aged exclusively in used cooperage almost everything else is, is aged in new cooperage um but it's a very standard mash bill because I, I'd say like 90, 92, 93, I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably, if I was a betting man, which I am, I'd say 93% of the market is MGP 95 rye. Um, For sure. It's, it's a very, it's, it's dominated, right? But you can get, you know, the stuff that you can get from Old Elk versus stuff you can get from Limo versus stuff you can get from Sagamore, they're all still very different based off terrar and blending. Um, but when you start looking at rye, rye isn't ester driven, it's phenolically driven. And when I say phenolically driven, we're, we're talking about different flavonoids, different compounds, or if you want to call them conjures, different conjures that create the active sensation of flavor on your nerves and your palate. When you have a high amount of water in a rye ferment, you drive more phenols. And phenols are those, if, if you're big fans of 95 rye from MGP or from Greg, right, the things that really blow people's minds out of those are the mint note, the dill note. Obviously, clove is everywhere in rye, right? right? But, but that he, mint and that dill are so like unique. He doesn't like the dill, He doesn't though. like the dill, no. He doesn't like he the dill, but how many single barrels have been sold because it was dilly but, as hell? Exactly. I'm like, okay, so he said it's bad mashing. He considers or, dill to be an off flavor. Yeah, from the mash. They have there's dill in that 95.5 for I was sure. confused by that note. I'm like, well, how do you counter him? The guy obviously yeah. knows. You can't. Have, have you, if, so he, you, if he thinks it's an off flavor, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've had a ton of 21 rye bourbon, because I watch your V, and I know you've reviewed a lot of it. From MGP, I'm talking about. I'm assuming you have too, but I know you're a world whiskey guy. But in, <laughs> but, but, but I'm going to get to a point real quick. I'm going to get to a point I think is valid. So in that 21% rye bourbon from MGP in New Cooper, which is a straight bourbon, there is a note that people get that drives them fucking ludicrous. And you might have some input on this. It's a medicinal cherry note mm. that'll pop in the 21 rye. It's a menthol-y, like the 95 rye note with a cherry. Are you getting it right now out of mine? I hope not. Um, but that note, that note, yeah, that, that note is a, drives a lot of people fucking nuts. I mean, people get so many, they go, cough syrup, ew, triple C's, ew. Right. You know? and I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, I'd take some triple C's with my whiskey. No, I'm kidding. Um, but the, the, that note itself, that's a tails component, right? And yeah. the reason I'm bringing that up is, is that tails component, it's a fault, it's a flaw in whiskey. And at MGP, usually that probably means, hey, let's do a shift change. We have too much tails coming back into our beer well, coming back from our doubler. Um, we need to do a shift change, we need to do a clean, and let's get this going. Uh, I'd imagine with the, the dill note from that 95 rise, is a similar thing, but it's so prevalent in so many people's inventory, and so many people actually love it. Right. It was just yeah. you know, so, people that seek that out. A lot, yeah. a lot of people do this. Should, yeah. dill so the question is, should the public be seeking it out? If that, the, 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 the mob is an interesting standpoint, right? Mm. Because the public and the mob are, are, are a collective unit, but everyone's an individual. And so like, I can speak to myself. I'm a huge high ester rum fan, right? right? I guarantee if I start throwing some like, like Smith & Cross like back blend stuff I have in my, in my vault that you guys, y'all would be like, man, this is, this is straight bear mace. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, so, and, and my point is that everyone loves different things. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and so it's probably not for everybody, but I would say there's a health... I can speak of the, the, the non-straight rides that I have from MGP, which are all 95s. I have some 51s, and they're coming out now, but I've been selling 95s the last four years. Um, when we finish them in brand new barrels that we get dill notes, those often sell really well. If they don't sell well as a single barrel, they get ported to high fuck like this one right here, I would ride for you. Yeah. So this was a dill bomb and a half, the I would ride for you barrels, and it just came out magically well because we, we got it to the right sweetness. You know, we so got you the right wanted that dill note out of it? We will, the, the, yeah, I wanted to do that because it got too prevalent. The phenols got, went a little too crazy. Um, and, and that's part of the thing with us, with our finishing is 
when we go and finish into a new cask or a very young cask, if we don't move that barrel, we start to run into phenolic issues. Okay. From from my palate, yeah. yeah, from what I like to. Know. So how did the barrel, that port barrel, affect this one? This one was great. So these were dilly bars for days, son. You know what I'm talking about? Like them, uh, them, them Dairy Queen bars. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They were dilly bars, hard, bro. Yeah. It was like you put dill in that bar. You know what I'm saying? I thought you said you were dropping bars. I'm like, you're a rapper now. As soon as, dude. As soon, no, not me. Um, as soon as what we did, so we've uh, this this port finished specifically. It's a petite Syrah port. It's a California port. Um, it's, a, it's a port from California. It's not actually a, a port from Portugal, but it's incredibly high gravity. It's super, super dark, has tons of non-fermented sugars in it. Yeah. And so that dill just kind of gets canceled out. The other kind of spices pop through. You you still know it's whiskey, but it doesn't pop like a lot of our limousine rides do with, with the, the baking spice and the sweetness. Um, but you, you end up with a jammy, jammy, jammy nose, and then it finishes, it's still whiskey. And yeah. so... Uh, the, just the one comment I want to make on this is... You look at the color on this, and it is—it's red. It's nuts. It's blood. You're yeah. expecting—you're expecting to just like be overwhelmed by the port wine, yes, and you are—you are absolutely not overwhelmed no. by the port wine it, in this it's whiskey. A, it's the a, color tells you yeah. like I'm going to be overwhelmed yeah. by the wine. Yeah. But it's absolutely not. The, you the definitely taste the whiskey. The, the fruit is more fresh and then the whiskey comes yes in. yeah 100 totally. i really it's appreciate because that's incredible. kind of what we're going for when, one of the things that i really love is like you know i have some inventory issues in the market i have some we've talked about this before i have some young inventory in the market that's flooded some markets and screwed some things up for a couple of us i'm sorry for that we're gonna work through that i promise um but the, the <laughs> I, i'm having no problems at all I'm i love great. you i love you as long as you're happy and having fun that's all i care about <laughs> i would never have hired him <laughs> <laughs> the, um, but the, the really interesting thing about but getting into these distillates and, and looking at our past and saying, how do we move forward, is we have great inventory, yeah. right? We don't, have, we don't have great distribution. Um, we have some accolades. Um, that's not his fault. He's a salesman. Dude. I know. I know. You I can't know, outsell this. I know. Road, I, know right? I know. You can't outdistro. You, you it's, cannot... it's, it's been a theme this entire show. Yeah, well, I, I, that makes sense. You know, it's, yeah. it's hard for, you know, you start looking at what happened with Sazerac, right? So, so. Sazerac leaves RNDC, they sue RNDC, right? So, oh, you want me to go down? I'll go down, okay. So here's, here's one for you. So you guys, know, you guys know how twisted this is? Okay, so Sazerac Company, right, founded a long time ago. Okay, so let's, have, let's look at RNDC. RNDC is a conglomeration of three distributors. Two that assembled, I think it was in the 70s or 80s, and then the late 90s, early 2000s, a third one come in. It was the Block Distributing Club, Club the Ring Distributors, and I think the last one was Republic out of uh, Texas, okay? So those three come together, oh, they morph together, become a powerhouse with RNDC. And the really weird thing about, we're gonna go back to the Gold Ring Company, okay? The Gold Ring Company, there's a Gold Ring, he's a billionaire, he's one of the richest men in America. Um, he was a primary owner of the, the Gold Ring Company, which, which joined with Block and Republic to create RNDC. But currently he's the number one shareholder in Sazerac. Currently, right now. Shocker. The last Gold Ring family member lost their job at Faz, and I don't know if they lost it, I don't know if they left, but the last Gold Ring to work at uh, Sazerac was, or I'm sorry, at RNDC was in the last 10 years. Okay. So they leave, right? Yeah. Everyone, I'm not gonna get into it here, but everyone- Let's get into it, baby. No, no I'm not, but, but you're gonna know what I'm saying. Everyone knows how you get, how do you get a foolproof single barrel? Of Weller? Of Weller. 
You'd be Mike Miller. I don't know. Well, but how did? Well, if you're not Mike Miller, for everyone that isn't Mike Miller, right? Oh, you have you buy a hell of you a lot of buy vodka. Wheatley vodka. Yeah. I wasn't gonna say, but you you have to compete in that stands, and it may be in it may be multi-state, it may be single state, it may be you know in our in our state it's a it's three four five state competition to get a foolproof barrel, right? Well, you start looking at this like, well, how is that? So you got this guy who owns his distributor who conglomerates, and he's also a shareholder at this large distillery that... That's family-owned still, so it's not publicly traded. So Which one? Sazerac? Sazerac is, is not family. It is publicly traded. I think it he's is publicly one, I believe traded. he's the number one shareholder of it. Oh, okay, or it may be private. Either way, he's the number one... O- sorry, either way, he's the number one owner of it. So you, it. Have a, you have a company... You can take it out, too, if you want to hold it. So you have... So the, uh, if it is publicly traded, there is public record of who's holding most of these. There's shares, public right? grade. There's public the grade. That they are holder meetings are public. They were the, so Got he it. also owns the I think it's like second, third, or fourth largest beer distributor in the country. Yeah. Well, what did they just do? <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. They just said, "Screw you. We're suing you. We're not going to be distributed by you anymore." By the way, we're going to go to all these beer distributors all over the country. None of them were the ones that he owns. He owns one out of, I think it's New Mexico and a couple others. But uh, it's, it's one of the largest. And it's just, it's a, they're testing the boundaries. They're saying, how do you, know, and how do you, well, that's not really, how do I compete with that? Right. You know, I don't have, I mean, I, I got a poor stag earlier because I'm a fanboy. Right. I know there's WSR up there, Weller Special Reserve, which we can't even get in Wisconsin. How do I compete trying to sell a whiskey with bars just looking to buy whiskeys like that when, when, you know, for, for less than what I can sell, it's, right. it's almost double the age or, or, you know, a quarter of the age up. Sure. I mean, like, we have a... Buffalo have, Trace single barrels are eight, eighteen seventy five a bottle. You well, know, I mean, right. it's, it's insane. Right, and we're selling twofold for $19 a bottle for a two-case deal. Right, exactly. Just to, like, try to get in... And that's got to be hard. That has yeah. to be really hard right. for coming, coming from Australia to compete. It's, and it's a loser like, like me trying to sell it. I mean, you're good-looking, but the rest of you suck. No, I'm just exactly. <laughs> But it's, it's really hard to compete. And, and the way it that is. we try to do it is by driving innovation, right? It's like, I have this rye whiskey that not a lot of people want. It's just like the rye whiskey that other people in this room have, except it's not straight. It's used in to use cooperage. And so we really started looking at it as how can we, how can, it's as straight as I am, right? It's, <laughs> how many, what we're really Wait, trying to look at. What about at, last night? Oh, you know, so, exactly. You, you just reinforced my point. The, the issue is we have, we have a product that, Buyers may not have the time for. They've never heard of it, you know. So we, the point of difference comes through all these little touches it gets before it gets. To Do the you store. think the little touches though add up too many touches and it becomes confusing for the market? Yes. No. Yes. Oh, oh, oh shit! Oh, Let's do yes. it. No. Yes. No. Yes. Can I explain this? Because it's hard. It's hard to. So when I say explain, I'm gonna say something oh. next. I really. Nick I, is gonna say something. And I really appreciate this. Give me some advice. Let your boss talk first. No, 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 no. This is great because this is a really good thing to look at. Is is he's doing what he's supposed to? He's my salesman. He's supposed to support me. He's supposed to say, no, we have a great white whiskey. And you should drink it because of X, Y, Z. Because this is what makes it special. But what's also hard is when you when when you talk to a consumer and they say, well, what what actually makes it special? And then Matt, if Matt takes my route, he goes, well, hey, this is you know limousine rye. We're a double barrel cast finish whiskey from a rye mash that means we're not a straight rye because we age and use cooperage we're going to go into a limousine oak solera for our first finish and then any proofing cast we want i mean that that arises more questions than answers right a lot of people then they're like wait what my brain's spinning oh my god what am i going to do and a lot of the times what i like to do and from a sampling trying to serve somebody is i say you know you know what you know what you just try it first and let's talk about it because if i bring that up first they go you know i don't like rye 
this. I'm a bourbon drinker. I'm not going to drink this rye. And you know what? There's too much going on. I don't care. Um, but f from my standpoint is my rye drinks more like a bourbon because we don't activate phenols from the new cooperage in the same way. You're going to love it more than you would another rye. But it's, it's, sometimes it is, it is hard to connect with consumers that way. If consumers just bought based off of what tastes great, I think it would be easier. You know? Yes. That's yes. why I'm here, baby. The I love you. So yes. m m my answer when I said yes, I make it very simple for folks. I'm, and I say the, the much of the same thing. This is a double barrel-aged rye or whiskey from a rye mash. Okay. Right? This is an imminently drinkable rye whiskey that's your favorite bourbon, a little toned down with some savory notes that you can drink all night at 93 proof. And at a six-year-old rye at $40 – it's a great value too, right? And I think that translates to almost almost any buyer. But are we are we placating the different levels of this industry? Where like you're trying to get into the retail retailers or the buyers or distributor, yeah. you're trying to talk to the consumer. No, I, I'm, t I'm. That's what I tell the consumers too. Okay. I was saying it just last night at Moreno's. They have their uh, full slate of tastings all week long for their 46th anniversary. Yeah. I was there, and that's as simple as I made the message. Uh, it wasn't the the best tasting in the world, you know, as far as like volume or whatever. But I sold two bottles. There you go. I gave away some death store gin flasks, and it was great. You know, that's sometimes uh, that's all the message people. That's all the message people need to hear, is this is different. You should try it, and it's a wonderful value as well. Yeah. Uh, Nick, there's so many conversations you and I have had, recorded too. Um, a couple of non-recorded that should have been I, on, I, on recording for sure. Uh, it's like uh, I don't ever ask you this though: how frustrating it is to be a whiskey maker that you know you're doing inventive stuff, you're doing, in my opinion, great stuff, but it's not necessarily coming through to the market. Nick's the only one who's taken the uh, microphone into his hand off the stand, besides Chris, Chris, and I think it's really brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, so, Matt. Do you ever feel unappreciated in your own time, my beloved Nick Brady? You know, it Thanks is, for rephrasing that question, get, Matt. You're welcome. It can get frustrating for sure. I think one of the big things that was a huge adjustment for me is when we sold Rumchata, um, we, you know, we had a lot more traction before that. And, and specifically, like I can look in this market, I mean, we lost hundreds and hundreds of cases here in Illinois because we don't have it anymore. And, and you can say what you want about it, but there's, you know, it's, it's, it's the juice is older now, it's better now. We were selling more of it when it was younger, and that, that, that I'll be very frank, that sucks. Right. And that's very frustrating. The thing that I always try to remind myself, um, I've been on a journey, you know, the last 34 years, big time. And one of the things that I always try to remember, I'll yeah. Be, I'll be with you on it in the next 34 years. Yeah, let's go, baby. <laughs> Shoot for that 68, son. Not One so shy straight, of the not, magic number. Not so straight anymore. Eh, pretty straight <laughs> until I get to that number 68, you know? <laughs> I'll see how that, the square toes teach me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, but the, the one thing that really gets me about the market is, is, is I get frustrated when I'm, you go in, you, you, you sell something in, you get, they love it, but it, it sits on the shelf. It doesn't move. Mm, and, mm. and you come back and you're like, well, it's not moving. It's like, okay, well, how do we build some support behind that? Right. And, and you, you come in, you offer solutions, you, you say, let's do tastings, let's do a staff education. If it's on or off premise, there's different tools you can use, and then it moves. Right. And th that's one of the things that gets frustrating to me, and, and it shouldn't, but when, when, you, when, it, when things go the way you do, but it's slow, when things don't go the way that I think they should, I don't, I don't get as frustrated because um, I, I, I come back to my roots and say, where I've been in the last... 34 years i'm in a much better place now i'm in yeah. a place of privilege i yep. get to make whiskey and share with the world and and you know if 
the crazy thing is we started selling online this last year and um I'm selling more online than I've sold in any market. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I wish again. I wish Sean was here to clean me up on that. I wish <laughs> Bo was here to clean me up God on that. Dude, but we have such bad friends. No, they're, but they're, no, so so you need to know is is is, is I'm here today in lieu of Distill America in Madison. So, I know. I know. So, oh, I, so oh, I came I know. for you. Oh, I know. I came for you. That's why I gave you an extra time. I appreciate. It. I appreciate yeah. the extra time. Yeah. You know, but but you know, Wilson's never also, come for me. Also. This man is still America too for this podcast. Did you know I was going to go to Distill America? Yeah, he was. Come yeah, on. He was. Yeah, he was. yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was at Indulge. He would have been at Distill America. He was frightened like a small child going down a, a <laughs> tall water slide. What a, what a good looking glassed man over there. Uh, yes. Um, there's something about the market I was going to ask you, but uh, I don't really care. Anyway, so I don't get too frustrated with it. I think that the big thing that I want to do is I want to get out there, I want to tell the truth. Yeah. I want to make sure that people hear what I have to say. Um, and one of the things that we did with Limousine Rye is, you know, we, we bat all the time on Brandy with me and my dad right. uh, and other people. And my dad's a very classic standard whiskey distribution marketing Sasha, guy. Sasha, I was going to ask you, is all these classic tools of distribution, of training staffs, both in the on and off premise, is there a new way, is there an inventive way that we're missing out on? I think in training staff, it's the, the same old tricks really work really well. Okay. Um, if you go back to like the like the, the standard manual for distribution of alcohol is, is the gallo train methods, right? And so like like you go into a store, when you first walk into a store, you can go and talk to the store manager, you can introduce yourself, right? You can also walk around the entire store and look for opportunities. You can see where you're sitting at the shelf, you can see where your, your pricing's at. The gallo method is superior for approaching accounts. It really is. And my mom was a gallo rep, she was the first female gallo rep. She had the, the North Chicago route in the, I believe it was the early 80s before I was born. Um, she... Um, She's, she's hammered a lot of that into me. Kenny, one of our sales reps who came from Gallo, he's yeah. hammered a lot of that into me. And so then my what, father. What was their uh, method? The, the method with Gallo is like, so, so usually when you go into a store, right, uh, I think in a, lot of, in a lot of supplier situations you'd be trained, you go in, you find a point of contact, you introduce yourself, yeah. and you make yourself valuable. Yeah. The Gallo method kind of focuses a little bit differently. It's, it's, it's figure out in, in, in a way for me to explain it that I don't have their actual media to right. explain right. it, but the way it's kind of been taught to me is find your where you know you have to know where you are and what's going on in the environment that you mm. are before you can do anything and so like for instance when i work with kenny back in madison who, who he's yeah. a deutsch guy he's been gala trained we go into account you know and we have kind of the same kind of swagger we walk in you don't go right away to the liquor section we're going to walk the entire grocery floor mm. we're going to look for opportunities we're going to see where's our price in the shelf where can we move where do they have case stacks in the shelf you know if it's an on if it's an off-premise account then here's and so off-premise being a liquor store on-premise being a bar an on-premise account, you walk in, how do you judge what kind of account you're in? Especially nowadays, like you walk into a place like this, you might say, oh, this is punk rock heaven, you know, let's, you know, let's drink some, some Kessler and some freaking Miller Lite, <laughs> right? Twice Kessler, be, twice be off rocker if you thought that's what's yeah. going on here. I mean, they have the best whiskey selection in the city, arguably so, you know, there's a couple up there with them, but, right. um, you know, you, you, but anyway, what I'm trying to say is don't judge a book by its cover, right? right? Judge it by its contents. So when you walk into the bar, a really easy cheat to use in the, the Gallo system is what kind of bitters are they using? Mm. Do they have Angostura out on the bar already? And mm. do they have a case of it? Right. They have a case of it, they're making cocktails. If they don't, they're not. They're probably making long drinks. Don't show our products that need bitters if this place is only selling long drinks. Acquit yourself with ammo. Yeah. Let your, so, so understand the environment of the place that you're walking into and, and engage warfare in the same way that they do. That's the, the basics of it, right? And so when you start looking at distribution in that sense, you don't really... Missed opportunities aren't as frustrating as, as opportunities that have arisen and have been, been fizzled, right? Amazing. Um, well, uh, I have to do a tasting downstairs in one minute. Oh, awesome. No, that's all great. Are you staying up for that? 
Uh, I'll be here for a little bit. Yeah, I have to get back to my kids, but oh. I'll definitely be here for a little bit on that. Can I go through some of the things that I was supposed Please. to say that yes. I didn't yes. say at all? Yes, is that okay? clean it up, baby. Let me get Bo's text message out Get it here. in there. Get it in so there. I'm supposed to say the following. Uh, Nikki Banger have a ride at World Whiskey Day, located 20 miles east of, uh, of Madison. Open for tours, guided tastings, and a gin academy where guests craft their own bottle of gin. Check out our updated website, dancinggoat.com. It comes with a fancy store locator if you want to find your products near you. Follow us on social media, Dancing Goat Distillery. I'd also like to say, Greg Metz, I'm sorry. I've never met you. I don't think you're a bad person. I think you're great. What if, um, we, what if we could arrange a Greg Metz, Nick Moss conversation? I actually, I'll tell you the absolute truth. I was given his phone number by people at MGP, and they told me to call him on my, but I can't do it because I haven't made it right yet. But today I've made it right, and I'm going to live by that. Well, I would love to get you two both on uh, the microphones together in one room. With, I'd love that, with too. With me curating. And you know what I'll do is, is now that I've left, I will email him because I have his email, and right. I, will, I will tell him I've made things right. I've apologized publicly for the things I've said to defame I think you're you okay, my friend. Incorrect. You're, and, uh, uh, and I'm looking for some advice on how to make some wicked hunter rot. You're one of the most... Uh, special people out there in this whiskey industry um, for me personally because you care so much about it Thank regardless you. of what uh, ever happened with you and Greg Metz I don't remember you saying it be honest uh, I remember we were on an Instagram live and you were saying something but I don't I never found it too discouraging whatsoever so I think you'll be okay there and I truly appreciate your friendship uh, truly pre appreciate your knowledge as well and when I really say, I'm being all serious when I say you're, uh, I'll take off my red sunglasses here. So. I love those red sunglasses. Yeah. I'm a steal them, actually. Um, but when, you, when I say that you are our spirit Sherpa, you are a spirit Sherpa for all the people out there at Key in the Lake. When you come on, people are so excited to see you, talk to you, um, hear, or listen to you, I should say, um, from all of that. So uh, it's always a privilege to end World Whiskey Day with you on this interview. Um, Chris Blantner is out there pouring some more Dancing Goat. So, Urban Bourbonist, I love him. Yeah, so we can't do that. Matt Brown, thanks for being here. Don't say anything. Can I do one more shout-out? Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, please. Um, uh, I would ride for you. Port Finished Rye in this market. It's selling. It just sold out. We have um, the Quirking Humble Blend. I'm going to pass that around next. 21% Rye Bourbon from MGP. 40-barrel blend. That's coming out in a couple months here. I'd also like to shout-out. A couple weeks, sorry. A couple yeah, weeks next month. Yeah, the and a uh, uh, limited amount of the I would ride for you coming back to, to Illinois very soon. Shout out to Old Elk putting out single barrels for the people. I love it. Shout out to grain growers across the country. Shout out to corn. Shout out to wheat. Shout out to rye. Specifically American Danko farmers? rye. American East farmers. Oh, fuck yeah. If you're trying to get out of your farm, call me, though, because I'm buying. What? Uh, what are you going to buy? <laughs> um, and also, I just want to do a quick shout out to my whole team at the Dancing Goat and say I love you guys. I'm so happy and proud of what we're building. Shout out to Matt. I know it's been frustrating. It's been a slow start. We're going to get there. And I want to say thank you for I helping play us tell our story. Oh, dude, you do a wonderful anytime. thing here. And I don't do anything. You do not get enough accolades. And thank you so much for having us. You're a great friend. I'm up for Distillery of the Year. <laughs> Distillery of the Year twice in a row, baby. Yeah, we'll see what the happens. The doubles feel tighter on the neck, don't they? Oh, it hurts so much. I'll carry that extra weight. <laughs> It's like Star. I mean, although I feel like Chewbacca in Star Wars, I didn't get a medal. And um, shout out to the North Carolina whiskey hunters, Shane, Jesus. Mark. I love you, Mark. I owe you big time. I owe I them too, to actually. Uh, <laughs> um, Mark, I got a package coming your way, Shane. I love you. Um, well, uh, for everyone Arbor, here, Jay West, you're the man, dog. For everyone here at Delilah's, Mike Miller, thank you for letting us uh, entertain the masses here. Mike, my dad says hi. Thank Mike's, you so much. Uh, Nick's dad says hi. Um, Thanks to this room and noisy people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks to Matt and his big old juicy skateboarding butt. It, was, it wasn't that loud when we first started. Let me see that butt. Here, let's end the podcast with my big fat ass. Take a sound look at this. Hold on. Ready? Did you hear that, America? That's mess, but um, honestly, we're skateboarder's we're gonna, dream. We're gonna edit that out, right? No, no we're, we're not. We're not. Um, Can we sharpen that noise? Double it.
uh, before we end today, I am a clown. even though we were I saying goodbye, we should uh, we should get on the old Instagram live and see if anybody's out there. You have, you must surely be kidding. Oh no. Let's see if anybody's. I mean, it is a Saturday night, so I'm not sure how many people are gonna be on Instagram live. It's a night. What's going on there? That's uh, Kelly Nakamama. Thank you all. That's Kelly, not my wife. Uh, so we are going live onto Instagram. Let's see what happens. The old dancing goat. See if anybody joins. Um, honestly, though, thank. Oh. Sorry, I'm getting back. I love y'all. Well, anyway, thank you for everybody who came in today. Uh, thanks to Woody Creek. Thank you to Perno. Thank you to Dancing Goat. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you to uh, <laughs> Old Elk. Thank you to Star Ward. Um, thank you to Chris Blantner. Thank you to Matt Brown for co-hosting today. And everybody, I don't think it's connecting, but um, we're, we're now we're finally live as we're ending the show. There's no one else out there. Um, thank you to Justin and Moore, too. So uh, everybody who came out today, appreciate it. Joe, Eric, Lucas, Nick, um, and who am I forgetting? Mark. Um, thank you for everything. Appreciate it. We'll see you next year on World Whiskey Day, hopefully here at Delilah's if they'll have us back. Thanks, Mike. Cheers.